A big welcome to our guest today, Alex Wong, Director of Alex KY Wong Asset Management. Good morning, Alex. Hi, good morning. Really good to see you in our Admiralty studio there. And Kay Van Peterson, Executive Advisor to the Board, Hoddle Group. Good morning, Kay. Good morning, Stephen. Great to be on. Great to have you both. So let's kick off with that US bond question I mentioned earlier. Now, the US bond 10-year yield has been below the three-month rate now for 212 trading days. This inversion happened before the last eight recessions. So is this going to happen for the ninth time? Or is this the one that will break the rule? What do you think, Alex? I think it may break the rule because uh, the yield curve inversion actually has happened uh, for quite some time and we have been seeing uh, US economy to be much more resilient than we think. So uh, probably this time we may have a kind of soft landing uh, because uh, if you look at the market right now or look at the situation right now, inflation actually is um, is picking except oil, which is uh, affected by the supply issue. But other things, I think uh, wages probably may come down despite uh, we have a strike right now. Um, I don't think uh, uh, the situation is, is, uh, is, is, is much worse. Uh, when, and, and we are seeing uh, improvement in the employment situation in the U.S. on the last set of uh, employment data this month. And then uh, other commodities actually fail to uh, catch up with oil. So probably inflation would be peaking soon. And then uh, the job market actually is still okay, is quite healthy. So I think probably we may see uh, the U.S. Uh, uh, makes a exception this this time. Okay. Are you as optimistic, Kay? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's another one of those uh, rules that is kind of over-talked over about, right? Mm. Um, it's not just that simple. You know, a lot of these metrics are kind of like red flags of a higher probability of something happening uh, given previous cases. But, you know, it's only eight, right? And for anything to be statistically significant, you need at least 20 observations. I also think recessions are good. Recessions are healthy. And part of the reason we still are, have a lot of funk in markets and companies out there is because we just went so long uh, without a nice, clean recession in the U.S. and artificial rates being kind of low. So uh, from my perspective, uh, it's uh, less really of an issue one way or another. Yeah. But this is the biggest kind of probability, I think, to Alex's point of it potentially not working because we are coming from out of exceptional times. Yeah, you both convinced me. And, you know, just by the laws of coincidence, it could have happened eight times before. As you say there, Kay, you need at least 20 times for anything to be statistically significant. Okay, let's move on to, well, staying with the bonds. Five and a half percent sounds like a pretty good deal to me for a three to six month bold bond. Rather, is this where we should be putting our money now, Kay? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, people would have given their left arm, right, for uh, five and a half percent, you know, and that's like three months, six months um, from just a few years ago. That wasn't even possible. And the honest truth is a lot of people are still not getting that on their banks. And this is U.S. Treasuries. This is about as risk free as you can get in traditional kind of assets. And that's unlevered. Right. So even if you're levering it up, maybe one and a half times, two times and just holding it till maturity, to me, it makes a lot more sense uh, than trying to, let's say, put it into equity or maybe another asset class that's less clear where, you know, you already have pretty much 5% in the bank by being in, in that side. And I think there's this mentality where people have kind of forgotten that bond asset class. And this is actually one of the kind of big contrarian views that I have. I, I do think the, the Fed is done, whether they do another 25 or 75 basis points is besides the point. Uh, and I actually think yeah. six months from now, 
it's going to be very obvious uh, that, uh, you know, people should have been going into uh, U.S. duration. So I'll be parking my money here until uh, a lot of the other asset classes uh, get a lot kind of clearer than they are now, personally. Okay. Well, how about this, Alex? I could get a personal loan from HSBC for 2.9%. Should I do that and then put my money in those 5.5% bonds and make a bit of extra cash? I think uh, the the major issue is that uh, you have to ignore the um, short-term um Fluctuation. So we have to sleep well, uh, even uh, if the bond prices continue to uh, decline a little bit every day, like we, we are seeing uh, right now. So I think uh, the, this is okay, but uh, the point is you cannot over leverage and also uh, you have to know your own uh, psychology, whether you would be monitoring the market day by day and closely, take by take. I think uh, that is the real issue. Yeah. And then the, well, the other thing is, I was going to say the exchange rate, but of course the Hong Kong dollar is pegged against the US dollar. Um, anything to add to that one, Kay? Uh, not really, right? But I mean, it's always a good point when you are looking to kind of lock in rates, you have the ability to hold it until kind of maturity, right? Because uh, if, for instance, there's a scare and, and, and you know, they pop up uh, and you go out and sell, then of course that completely wipes out the 5.5% hmm. that you'd have made. So it's a very succinct point. But, you know, I think it's like anything, it's asset class allocation. So, you know, you're not putting 100% of your 100 million in it, uh, but I think yeah. a good chunk. Uh, is is healthy. And again, you don't have to tie it up for 10 years, right? You could even have it going on uh, four weeks kind of schedule yeah. or even mm. a weekly kind of schedule, right? Maybe get a little bit lower kind of yield, but still have a lot more optionality. Mm. Interesting situation. Anyway, more bad news from the Chinese property sector with Evergrande shares diving 25%. What's your current odds for one of the major players to go into serious trouble if it that it can't get out of, Alex? Well, I think this is more or less expected. Uh, we all know that Evergreen is in a, in a, in a, in, in a very um, big trouble situation, so I don't think uh, the market is surprised. So uh, I think the market would expect that the property market in China would remain bad for several years at least, and this is uh, not easy to turn around. But uh, probably people will look at uh, the other parts of China instead of the property. So everything's related to property sector in, in, in China probably would still remain bad. I think uh, they probably would have some speculative interest for short term at best. But uh, the long term value actually is not there. Well, Alex, we're waiting with bated breath on Country Garden. Will it or won't it pay its bonds? What do you think? Oh, I think uh, they would just stretch the payment like yeah. what they did it uh, uh, earlier, so uh, very likely they would still do the same practice. Kay, what are your thoughts on the Chinese property sector? Yeah, so you know, I'm a, I'm a macro guy, um, so I think from a big picture perspective, there's there's really two things that kind of stand out to me, right? Uh, one is if this sector was priced correctly, i.e., including also the property market in Hong Kong, it would just be an absolute, absolute disaster because the property market would implode, then the banks would implode. And I think I remember seeing a stat saying that something like, uh, you know, the Chinese population has something like 90 percent home ownership. Now, that personally sounds a little bit too high, and I'm not quite sure how that's factored, but it's, it's very high is the point, right? So I, I think there is an underlying floor from the context of the space uh, never being let to kind of, let's say, blow up. Um, I do feel that uh, we may continue to see uh, if you're a domestic uh, bondholder, uh, you know, you will be kind of taken care of or it will be extended, whereas if you're offshore, uh, that's a whole different thing. 
Um, I will say, though, one thing, you know, and this is more just looking at kind of Chinese equities as a whole. You know, we've really been on its knees, I guess, maybe not. Maybe it's, we're like on our ankles basically here. Right. <laughs> and uh, so much bad news is priced in. Uh, I think the question, mm-hmm. though, is when does it really turn? Uh, you know, I started to get bullish two years ago, which was obviously way, 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 <laughs> way, way too early. But I will say, you know, no one would want to touch it with a 10 foot pole. And that's always interesting. Right. Uh, but here I'm just talking about Chinese equities as a whole. So I think it's one of these that the government eventually has to come in. Um, but they have to do it in a way where, again, they don't set precedent risk because a lot of these issues still stem from the GFC, right? When China, you know, printed over 14% of its GDP. And, and that's the, the fine line that they're having to deal with now. Okay, let's move on to my favorite subject of crypto. The current value of listed crypto is $1 trillion, with $3 trillion being the previous bull market's high. Um, I've heard that a certain expert called KVP thinks that we will get to $10 trillion in the next cycle. So, Kay, do you know who this KVP is and what's driving the (laughs) prediction? Yeah, well, I'm sure Alex can attest to this. When you come up with the finance route, no one calls anyone by their real name. So uh, that's the initials, obviously, of K. Van Peterson. Uh, I've been in crypto since 2013. I think that's when I bought my first BTC, started looking at it in 2012. So I know just enough to be dangerous. Uh, I shiver uh, when called an expert. But I, I do really feel that, you know, the next cycle is going to really surprise people by the difference. So I, I think we go to 10 trillion, which would basically be you know a little bit over a 3x from the previous kind of high. But I think what we will start to see in that kind of 2024 to 2025 cycle is for the first time real institutional participation, right? We also have two key hard catalysts, at least from my perspective on the radar for crypto in 2024. And that's, of course, the four-year cycle of Bitcoin housing is happening in the first half of next year. And I think we also will finally see a Bitcoin spot ETF. And it's almost certainly going to be yeah. BlackRock that gets it. You know, mm. this is an $8 trillion asset manager. So we are definitely dead center in the bear market. There's no doubt about that. Uh, some of these tokens are down, you know, 80%, 95%. And, you know, obviously some have gone to kind of zero. Uh, but um, I am very, very excited, and it's where I'm going to be spending, uh, you know, the vast majority of my resources over the next six to kind of nine months. Okay. Well, BlackRock, a very credible company, so not bad for crypto to be wrapped up with BlackRock. But, Alex, are you as optimistic as KVP about crypto? Well, I think I would just uh, use an asset allocation angle, and then we would just uh, put a few percentage of our assets into crypto yeah. just uh, for um Speculations. So I think uh, we would not uh, be extremely bullish, and I mm. we actually I'm not an expert in in crypto, but uh, we would still like to participate with a certain percentage only. Yeah, absolutely, three to five percent. I think is the rule of thumb for crypto. Would you agree with that, KVP? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, you know, if you're sitting where Alex is, is sitting, right, and mm. you're an asset manager or a family office, you have to understand, especially uh, the younger generation, that, you know, they think about digital assets the way, let's say, uh, people in the 80s or 90s think about gold, right? So it's going to be like, how can we not have allocation to this space? Um, and I think, you know, Alex's view is, is, is quite a clean one. You're not trying to pick, you know, the 15 best tokens. You just have an overall broad exposure to the space, you know, maybe evenly distributed between Bitcoin and Ethereum. 
And again, you're not looking for 10%. So you're allocating. It's kind of like the venture model, right? You put it in, let's say, 5%, but you expect to make a multiple on that 5% or 1%, and you expect that to end up being 5 to 10% overall. And, you know, anytime you have something kind of like that, uh, it's definitely a trade investment that you have to undertake. And I don't think people really appreciate the network effect that we're going to be seeing in crypto, right? Uh, that's something that I think is very much kind of heavily discounted and misunderstood. Now, you already answered my next question, which was whether to go for Bitcoin or Ethereum. Well, I think you said 50% each. So let's go on to my uh, final question, which we've got about a minute to cover. AI, I want you to imagine 10 years into the future. What do you think is the best case scenario and what is the worst K? So, you know, I, I think people are always much, much clearer on what the worst scenarios are. It's kind of like in life, you know, uh, it's easier to kind of be clear on the pessimistic kind of side of things. And that's whereas, when you know, all be dead. Is a lot tougher. <laughs> yeah, well, that's when we all be dead or there'll be some kind of mistake because mm. unfortunately we have these things called sapiens who are helping program mm. these things initially, right? Uh, but I actually think that um, the, the upside in, in AI is very much discounted and it could help alleviate so many of the issues we have today, uh, ESG, uh, global warming, um, and I could see a society starting to emerge where, you know, you have a purpose rather than this kind of centralized slave uh, system yeah. of I have to work and okay. I have all these bills to pay and a mortgage and so on. I right? just want to go to Alex so quickly because we've only got yep. 15 seconds. Alex, what's your worst case scenario for, for AI in 10 years? Will we all be dead? Oh, probably that is Terminator case. Roberts, yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, still to come in your money. Uh, thank you both. That's um, Alex and Kay, also known as KVP.